0: Happy Monday, everyone, and thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Frary and Smith Podcast. The final weekend of Sunbelt regular season play saw three more teams become bowl eligible, bringing the league's total to seven teams during the 2022 season. Southern Miss, Louisiana, and Georgia Southern all became bowl eligible in the final week of the regular season. James Madison finished off a magical first season at the FBS level with a statement victory over Coastal Carolina. South Alabama reached 10 wins for the first time in their FBS program history while Troy secured their first bid to the Sunbelt title game in program history. Caden, we've reached the finish line of the regular season. Week 13 brought a ton of excitement. Give us your thoughts about the play this weekend.
1: I mean, what a way to cap off an amazing season for the Sun Bowl. Obviously, a lot of new teams in the mix, and we saw different performances out of those teams and some great debuts out of those teams, and really just a great launchpad. I feel like this last week was a great launchpad, heading into these bowl games and heading to a conference championship game coming up and heading into the offseason even. We have a lot to talk about heading into this last week or two weeks of college football that we have remaining, and it was just great to see some great individual performances and some teams play some great arguably some of their best football of the entire season. There's definitely a lot to get into, and I can't wait to get into it. Well, as
0: you've come to expect on our Monday episodes, we'll start with the Sunbelt Scoreboard segment, where we'll review the results from around the conference in Week 13. Right after that, Caden and I will dive into the big matchups from the final weekend of the regular season. The week got started in Harrisonburg on Saturday, James Madison taking on Coastal Carolina and James Madison was a 14 point favorite, largely because Grayson McCall was not expected to play. He did not play. James Madison went on to blow the doors off of Coastal Carolina, winning 47 to seven. The Dukes improving to eight and three, and they are officially the Kings of the East this season. Uh, South Alabama took on Old Dominion in Mobile, Caden. We didn't think this game was going to be close, but Old Dominion did their best to keep it close until late in the game. South Alabama had to come from behind for the second week in a row, but they would win 27-20 to improve to 10-2 on the season. Old Dominion falls to 3-9. Marshall versus Georgia State. This game happened up in Huntington. The Herd were a six-point favorite. They would win by five. Rasheen Ali, Kalen Laborn giving Herd fans a vision of what they expected all season long, both rushing for over 100 yards. Marshall finishes the season 8-4. and four. They'll head to a bowl game, Georgia State at 4-8. and eight. Arkansas State versus Troy Kaden, This one was interesting all the way until the fourth quarter when Troy put their foot down, scored 34 points in that fourth quarter on the way to a 48-19 victory to improve to 10-2 and two on the season. Arkansas State falls to 3-9. And now we wait to see if their head coach continues at Arkansas State. ULM versus Southern Miss. This game was in Monroe. Another tight game. Southern Miss was favored by three. They would win by ten to become bowl eligible. They're six and six. ULM, a good season for them. You have to be pleased at four and eight. They played some really tight games. We'll get into that more as the episode goes on. Uh, But definitely a good season for ULM. Texas State and Louisiana. Louisiana came in as a five-point favorite. I was thinking that Louisiana's season might be over, but Texas State couldn't pull it off. They would lose 41-13, to and as we're recording this episode, we've since found out that Texas State head coach Dick Spavidal has been fired in San Marcos, so an off-season of questions ahead. Louisiana finishes 6-6. and Georgia Southern, App State, Caden, plug your ears for this one. This one, a shootout late in the night. You're shaking your head for our viewers who can't see that, but... Uh, Georgia Southern wins 51-48 to 48 in double overtime, ending a lengthy bowl run for App State. They had never missed a bowl game until this year. App State does finish 6-5 this year, or 6-6 six six rather. Georgia Southern also at 6-6, six six, but App State, because of the two FCS games, will not be going to a bowl game. Troy and Coastal Carolina, they're going to meet in the Sunbelt title game for the first time. Three Sunbelt schools, Southern Miss, Louisiana and Georgia Southern reached bowl eligibility, giving the Sunbelt seven schools who will play in a bowl game this offseason. App State failed to reach bowl eligibility for the first time since joining the FBS in 2014. Well, Caden, let's dig into some of these games. We'll get to that App State-Georgia Southern game in a few moments, but we'll start with James Madison in Coastal Carolina. The Dukes officially the Kings of the East. They trailed seven to three until the second quarter. Then they would score 44 unanswered points outgained Coastal Carolina in this game by 319 yards. It was their first home win over an AP Top 25 team. And Caden, you have to start by talking about Todd Senteo. We spoke to him on last Wednesday's episode. He capped off a magical season, responsible for five touchdowns in this game, 287 yards through the air, 32 touchdowns this season. Caden, is he a lock for conference, or conference offensive player of the year in your
1: mind? Well, I think first and foremost, and most importantly, he definitely snapped and dispelled the rumor and the myth that was the curse of becoming coming onto this podcast as a guest, as a JMU player, because he blew this game out of the water. He had a great senior day. They were wearing the all black and they secured that people's championship, like we've been talking about all year. And I think he is tough to argue with, especially due to the fact that you saw what this team looked like for a couple of weeks when he wasn't himself or he was not playing for them versus when you see when he is in the game, he can come back and lead large comeback wins for them. You can have dominant days like this. And I think them especially doing this against a team that will be playing in the conference championship game next week is huge for the program and definitely huge for Todd. You got to salute them for what they did on their senior day. They got a lot of seniors involved in this game and played well. And it all started with Todd as usual. You
0: talk about seniors that they got involved in this game and none was more impressive than Devin Ravenall. five catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns. His first career, hundred yard game on senior day. Uh, Chris Thornton also had a strong performance, six catches for 93 yards becoming the first JMU receiver uh, with two 1000 plus yard seasons in his career. Uh, The receiver play was dynamic for James Madison, and that's a welcome sight for the Dukes in this final game of the season.
1: Yeah, and it all starts with Todd, like we were talking about. I mean, he was showing tremendous poise and decision-making and accuracy, finding all kinds of targets left and right. You talked about how he got... Ravanel involved he got Chris Thornton involved got a ton of guys involved and also their run game was there for them per usual which really kept Coastal guessing play after play another great game for Percy Ajay Obese who didn't reach the end zone this one on his senior night but still led their team in rushing per usual and then you have Latrell Palmer and Kalen Black in this game as well who are looking like they could be the future of this backfield they both had impressive games on the ground too so I think You look at this offensive attack, they're going to be missing a lot of those pieces that we've been mentioning throughout the season and that were big in this game, but maybe with some recruiting and some things that they have built in the foundation that are still going to be in this locker room next year, this may be another team that we're speaking highly of again and speaking of another great year of offense again depending on how they fill some spots
0: hey I would expect to be speaking about the Dukes next year I think the momentum that they've garnered this year you heard some really crazy comments I love the comments from Kurt Signetti post game after this one he's very confident moving forward Uh, and Caden why not and the last thing I really want to talk about with the Dukes this season we'll talk more about them in the offseason but they finished the year as the league's best defense 80 yards per game on the ground 210 yards per game through the air. Their 290 yards allowed per game this season was tops in the Sun Belt. Uh, and they cap it all off, allowing Coastal Carolina to a season-low 183 yards of offense, holding them to just 80 yards in the final three quarters. They put the cherry on top of what was an excellent season.
1: Yeah, and we talked about this defense coming into the season. They were doing ridiculous numbers, and we thought, oh, maybe it was just some of the competition they were playing. We needed some more time to see if they were the real deal. Well, they they very much proved as the season went along that they were the real deal, and got to credit them in this one. I mean, holding a team to under 100 yards passing and 100 yards rushing is a very, very hard thing to do. And again, to a team that's going to be in the conference championship game here coming up, Jamari Edwards lived in the backfield for them all game in this one. They've just have great top-to-bottom defense, and I think they've established that culture going forward that's going to be big for them in this Sunbelt Conference, and I think they have a lot of the tools and a lot of the pieces that are going to return on that defense for them as well next year, and it's definitely something they're going to be able to hang their hat on moving forward.
0: Okay, and last thing on this matchup, and it has to do with Coastal Carolina, my advice to the Seants don't even watch the film from this game. This was the worst game of the season. They were dominated at every level, and the offense really did look lifeless without Grayson McCall.
1: They did. I mean, Jared Guest, we wanted him to get some of those turnover issues figured out, and he didn't in this one. He had one fumble and one interception. Couldn't get the run game going. We knew they were going to lean on that without Grayson being in there, and JMU really just exploited that. They weren't afraid. Of Jared Guest. It was very clear in this one. They loaded up the box. They stopped the run and did what they had to do. So it's going to be very interesting moving forward. And I know we'll talk about this matchup a little bit later, but some things are going to have to change for Coastal heading into this conference championship game because they're going up against another great defense in Troy and JMU. Those are just two of the top defenses in the conference and having a backup quarterback in those situations isn't ideal. So a lot hanging in the balance with Grayson in that one, but We'll see, man. There's a a championship game coming up. Anything could happen, and this team has definitely proven that they can win games.
0: Well, that's what's up next for Coastal. They will play Troy in the Sunbelt Conference title game. Meanwhile, JMU heads into the offseason wondering what could have been had this not been their first year in the FBS. They do need to answer the quarterback question. They did pick up a big transfer from Arizona quarterback Jordan McLeod, and they've already hit the portal hard. So expect JMU uh, to once again be towards the top Uh, next year, but we'll talk about them more in the offseason. Caden, let's move on to just, you know, I think App State's website dubbed it best. This one was a heartbreaker. Uh, Georgia Southern versus App State in a rivalry game. It would go to double overtime. Georgia Southern would win 51-48 to become bowl eligible. App State eliminated from bowl contention. Caden, this was the highest scoring game in series history. Georgia Southern moves to 11-7 all-time in Statesboro. I thought this stat was particularly interesting. App State had over 600 yards for the second time this season. Caden, both of those games were losses this season to North Carolina and now to Georgia Southern. Caden, we asked the question going into this matchup, was Kyle Van Treese out of gas? And the resounding answer was no. 385 yards, three touchdowns. His seventh 300-plus yard game of the season, fourth game with three touchdowns. Nearly 4,000 yards through the air this year. 28 touchdowns led the Sun Belt in yards per game. Van Treese with a resounding answer to that question. He at least had a quarter tank left.
1: Yeah, guys. Anyone listening to this one knows I'm sick. I was sick watching this game. It felt like one of those games immediately where the last team to have the ball would win this game just because of how efficient both offenses were. And Kyle Trees proved us wrong. We thought we was running out of gas maybe. The offensive line came up big in this one. They didn't allow any sacks, and they really allowed him to sit back there and cook. And you have to give credit to him and this receiving core for having one of their best games of the season at home in a hostile environment. And you talked about it. App State, they ran the ball better in this game. They had 150 more yards of total offense in this one, but they won the time of possession as well. But ultimately, they just didn't make the necessary big plays and the big stops when it mattered. And that's what Georgia Southern did on the defensive side of the ball, and that's what Kyle Van Treese did on the offensive side of the ball for this one.
0: Hey, another big thing that we talked about heading into this matchup was the battle at offensive line. And we knew both of these were very good offensive line teams. App State was coming in top six in sacks created. Georgia Southern had been slacking off a little bit. They'd been a bit shaky down the stretch, giving up five sacks in their last three weeks. But they didn't allow a sack in this game, Caden. That was a huge O-line performance against a very good front seven for App State.
1: Yeah, and I think there was obviously some issues on the back end, which we can talk about a little bit more later as far as App State. They were giving up some coverages. The receivers were having a field day, truly, and a lot of that had to do with the lack of a pass rush. They were able to get up front, and there were some injuries on the defensive side of the ball as well. But you have to give credit for the Georgia Southern offensive line in this when they kept Trees protected, very comfortable. They allowed him to really pick his spots and take his time. And I think for as well of an offensive line performance you saw from the Eagles in this game in the passing game, you saw it for the App State team in the run game. They had a great day running the ball. 376 yards on the ground because of that App State O-line. But I think when you look at the nature of this game, the protection in the past game just mattered more. It was one of those shootout type of games where it doesn't matter how well you can run the ball. If you can protect your quarterback and let him elevate his team, it's going to pay off in a game like this when you have 51 points on the board. So you have to give credit to the Georgia Southern line for doing it not only at a, a high-level performance on that side of the ball, but doing it in the right way and in a game where it mattered the most.
0: Okay, the next thing I'm going to say here, and I'm saying this as a fan from the outside of this App State program, but I was very disappointed post-game in the response of the App State fan base on Twitter and in other areas, and particularly some of the vitriol that was directed at Chase Bryce. This is a guy who threw for 2,900 yards this year, responsible for 31 touchdowns, had the best season of his career, and yet he was basically being run out of town. Caden, I find that borderline unacceptable, you know, of how App State treated him in these final weeks of the year, despite what he's done at that program. I think there were several others. I know Cam Peoples got a lot of hatred and it to me as an outside you know person looking in, I felt like that was really disappointing of the App State fan base.
1: Yeah, and we can talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but I feel like for me personally, this was always something I tried to avoid when I was playing at app because I knew our fan base was pretty hostile or pretty brutal. And that just kind of comes with being a team that has high expectations from your fan base. And now this year is the first year I've been on Twitter. It's the first year I've really been a fan watching app state. And it made me very glad that I wasn't a part of that while I was playing because now obviously this is the worst year we've had in a couple of years. And, the criticism is just flying in and it's coming in all directions and nobody's safe from it right now at App State. We've talked on this podcast at length about how important Chase Bryce is to this team, this offense, and how important it was that he came back to this team and really saved them in their offense from having to make some big changes to the quarterback position or test some of these young, unproven guys of that position. But it's tough to see. And I think this fan base is going to have a very long healing process this offseason, no bowl game, no Chase Bryce now moving forward. It's tough to see the criticism, obviously, but I think They're going to have to really be tested like this team will be in the offseason. They're both going to have to go through these pains and we'll see how they navigate moving forward. But I do think it was tough to see some of that criticism get put on a guy like Chase Bryce, who's clearly one of the best, if not the best and most important player on this offense and this team this year.
0: Hey, last note for App State here. Nate Noel finished with a season high 171 yards, career high three touchdowns. That was a big performance for him. App State that rushing attack, Kane you've already mentioned it a couple of times, so I won't even get your response, but with five touchdowns in this game, uh, a big performance for App State on the ground. But now we look ahead. Georgia Southern will await their bowl placement as they head into bowl season. App State heads into the offseason full of question marks at quarterback, running back, defense, offensive line. There's a lot of question marks. You have to wonder how much is left in the cupboard at App State, but we'll get more into that in the offseason. Caden, let's move on. South Alabama versus Old Dominion. The Jags coming from behind for the second week in a row. Old Dominion gave them quite the scare here, but South Alabama would win 27-20. to 20. They record 10 wins on the year, which is the most in their FBS history. Uh, they finished tied in the West with Troy, but Troy heads to the title game based on the tiebreaker. Caden, if there was one thing that we were talking about that would be important in this game is that it was seeing guys return, get healthy. One of those big names was LaDamian Webb. He came back. Performed well, 18 carries for 74 yards, finished with 1,015 yards on the ground during the regular season. And now he heads into bowl season, reached his 42 yards to pass Trey Minter for the program record of 1,057. Caden, it was really good to see Webb back, and I think that's going to be a huge piece for South Alabama heading into the bowl game.
1: Yeah, and it was also good to see a friend of the podcast, Jason Henderson, back in this game after getting hurt in the App State game. Doing the things he does per usual, getting eighteen tackles. But you have to credit both teams for really fighting in this game, especially when you look at Old Dominion not really having a reason to play hard in this game. They had a disappointing season, three wins, and they finished the strong and season strong and played very hard in this game. We saw some great individual performances across the board, and then on the other side, obviously great to see the Damian Webb playing well in this game, using that momentum heading into the bowl game. And when you're South Alabama, you probably don't want to play teams like Old Dominion, teams like Southern Miss, been back-to-back weeks with ironically the same exact score, 27 to 20 score. But I think most importantly, you have your team healthy right now. You have Carter Bradley, who's kind of proving himself now as the comeback kid, similar to Todd Centale, having some fourth quarter touchdowns and having some big play at the end of games to elevate you towards a win. And that's something that this program struggled with in the past and struggled with last season. And I think it's a credit to Kane Walmack and it's a credit to the culture that's being built there now to where these last two games, it's very safe to say these are games that they would have lost last year. These games that just, they weren't cut from that cloth, that winning fabric. And now ever since the beginning of the season, they've kind of taught themselves how to be winners. And I think that's going to be huge for this bowl game coming up and this off season and this next season they have moving forward. So I think this team at healthy now with a winning culture is obviously exciting in this game but I think it's also going to be exciting moving forward for their program
0: crazy to think that the two losses this season for South Alabama one by four to Troy who's the 26th ranked team in the country the other one to UCLA who's a top 15 team that loss was by one so what a season it's been for South Alabama Kane you briefly mentioned the quarterback play Gart Bradley had another good game through for three touchdowns setting the single season touchdown mark at South Alabama. I also wanted to get into this really quick. Hayden Wolf had a second straight good game, 21 for 36, 285 in two touchdowns. There were some questions down the stretch about Wolf and if he would be the starter moving into last year. I felt like he really stepped up in these final two games despite missing a lot of his
1: big weapons. Yeah, you have to give credit to him. I think we talked about some of the concerns into this season and throughout this season with him, and I think now he's kind of proven the biggest concern is consistency. He's played well at moments for this team, and it hasn't always necessarily been led to wins and losses for them but he's shown some promise in these last two weeks especially like you talked about with some undermanned weapons and he led the first drive to a touchdown drive for old dominion They came out in this game swinging he got javon harvey in the end zone a weapon that we talked about he might need to lean on with some of those other weapons gone gone you have blake watson having a great all-purpose day on the ground and ending the game as the leading receiver with 88 yards and six catches in this one so have to give credit for old dominion to how they came out in this game and how hayden wolf let this offense start the game off fast, but talked about it, man. Carter Bradley just finished it. He had two fourth quarter touchdowns when they mattered most. He had better weapons in this game and this team overall just had better weapons. And I think down the stretch, we saw that when they elevated their game and really finished strong on both offense and defense to close this one out.
0: Yeah. The difference in this game, Caden, it was the running game. South Alabama held the football for nearly 11 minutes more in this game. They finished with 208 yards on the ground. ODU got 110 yards from Blake Watson And Caden, if there was one thing moving into the offseason for Old Dominion, it's you're getting a lot of these pieces back. They're probably going to be healthy, but they need to find that run game. They need to find that maybe number two back behind Blake Watson, but give South Alabama their dues here. They dominated the run game, and that was a big reason why the Jags ended up pulling away.
1: Yeah, the run game and the defense was just something that South Alabama in these close games down the stretch have been able to lean on a ton. But you talked about it with Old Dominion. A lot of these teams, and we'll talk about it more in the offseason, are losing a ton of their weapons that transferred in, who are seniors, who we've seen year in and year out be good weapons and big time players in this conference. But you look at Old Dominion they know what their problems are. They know they can't run the ball. They know their defense is scrappy and well and that they really just lean on their weapons a little bit too much and they need consistent quarterback play. I think with them bringing it back so much talent, if they can bring it back healthy, look in the mirror this offseason and really establish And solve a lot of those problems they had. I think they have a lot of promise and potential to make some noise in this conference next year, seeing that a lot of teams will be losing a ton of talent.
0: Hey, last thing to mention, and that is South Alabama's reliable defense. They do it yet again here. They did give up 381 yards in this game, but as you dig a little bit deeper, three sacks, five TFLs, they got to Wolf four times in this game. And Caden, here's what was most impressive, just 99 yards in the second half when it mattered including negative two rushing yards to Old Dominion. South Alabama's defense has been their go-to all season long, and it turned in another big performance here to get them to 10 wins.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, we talked about how fast that the Old Dominion offense was able to start off in this game, but I think it was very clear that the South Alabama defense went into the locker room, made their adjustments, and took matters into their own hands in the second half. I mean, they had a shutout performance in the third and fourth quarter, kept those guys out of the end zone, and kept them from being nearly as effective as they were in the first first half, or else maybe we talk about this game as something closer to what we see in Old Dominion play against Coastal Carolina, where their offense was clicking on all cylinders. So you have to give credit to their coaching staff as well for making those adjustments and their players on defense capitalizing and proving once again that they're one of the top defenses in this conference this year.
0: South Alabama will play in a bowl game. Old Dominion enters an offseason needing to get guys like Koontz, Jennings, Henderson healthy. They also need to determine if Hayden Wolf is indeed that guy moving forward, but we'll get more into that in the offseason. Kaden, Arkansas State versus Troy. This one was a wild game. Troy would win the Sun Belt West with the win, but With a minute 31 left in the third quarter, Troy trailed this game 19-14. to So then you look at the final score and say, how was it 48-19? to And the reason for that is Troy scored 34 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. It's the most points in the fourth quarter since 1991. And Caden, I have to ask you this. Is Troy suddenly the best rushing team in the conference? They have gotten back-to-back 200-plus yard days from Kamani Vidal. This Troy running game has exploded down the stretch.
1: You have to give your flowers to Troy in their running game. You have to think about how we were having conversations about this offense heading into the season and throughout the season, that if they reached that 100-yard rushing mark, that they would possibly be able to win games, and that was their formula. Well, they've had two back-to-back weeks where they rushed for 250 yards on the ground, and it seems like they found their identity in the offense at the right time. We talked about Gunnar Watson and Jared Daigie all throughout the season having some issues getting that passing game going, having some turnovers, and just really not even be able to use, utilize their weapons. But now – Down the stretch, you have your defense playing well, which is one of the reasons we were kind of willing to ignore them. Also, they were winning games, so you can ignore some of the quarterback struggles. But now that you have Kamani Vidal and this revitalized rushing attack, you can ignore that even more. So have to give credit for Troy. We've been wanting them to find their offensive identity all year and be able to match the energy and the intensity that they're bringing on the defensive side of the ball. In the last two weeks, they've definitely been doing it, and they've definitely been doing it behind Kamani Vidal and that rushing attack.
0: Vidal crossing the 1,000-yard mark on the season, his first career 1,000-yard season. He also set a school record in this game with four rushing touchdowns. Caden, this is a Troy team. They are not sexy by any stretch of the imagination, but all they do is win football games. And you briefly mentioned it a moment ago, the defense spearheading this win again. It really all started, that turnaround started with Reddy Stewart, that fourth-quarter 67-yard interception return for a touchdown. Two interceptions in this game. This defense allowed negative six yards rushing in the second half. Just 139 yards of offense in the second half. Three sacks, seven TFLs. This defense continues to step up, and they they held the line just long enough for Troy's offense to show up. That feels like it's been the story all
1: year. Yeah, I mean, what's new? It's obviously they don't have the most flamboyant style as a team, but nine wins is very flamboyant. Nine wins in a row. They'll take that every day of the week, and their defense, once again, had a masterclass performance if you look at them. I mean, we had low expectations for this Arkansas State offense heading into this game in really all season, and you just saw them exploit that. They made James Blackman beat them, and he wasn't able to do that. He didn't reach the end zone with his arm. He did arm. He had an impressive run with his legs, but I think just a couple of drives here and there where Troy's defense might've just let up some things, but overall great performance from them. We saw kind of a pedestrian performance from Carlton Marshall with six tackles in this one, but he led the team. And I think that really shows the true character of this defense. You saw so many guys just getting one tackle, two tackle, three tackles. There was just, they were able to play a lot of their depth and their seniors in this game. And they were all just getting after it. And everyone on this defense seems like they have that Carlton Marshall mindset. They were all just running after the ball, Great plays in the secondary. I think they had seven pass breakups in, in this game in the back end. Talk about Reddy Stewart keeping his hands on the ball all game, having a huge performance. This defense top to bottom, I think you could put their third string guys in, it looks like, and they're going to perform at a high level. They just have that DNA, and they know that the games this year have depended on them, and they feel like you can see they have their own responsibility when they're out there to play their best, defend their home turf, away game, play as well as they can, and really secure this team wins. And I think you saw that in this one.
0: Hey, just to jump backwards real quick. Uh, one thing I don't like about Chase Bryce this year is that he had that Hail Mary against Troy because Troy would be a ranked team right now. If it wasn't for Chase Bryce, they would be 11 and one and probably in the conversation for the cotton Bowl over a weaker than I would like to see Tulane team. Uh, I'll go ahead and put that on record, but, uh, Caden, the one thing Troy's been really good at, closing games, third nationally allowing just over 3.4 points per game in the fourth quarter this year, top 30 nationally averaging close to nine in the fourth quarter. When you look at the scoring margin, they're eighth nationally in terms of points allowed versus points scored, so they've been really good in the fourth quarter, they were that here again. Last thing really in this matchup, and it's for Arkansas State. We've seen it all year long, and that trend continued. They just had no rushing attack. They ran for 38 yards. It was the eighth time this season under the century mark, third time under 40 yards. And as we move into the offseason, Caden, if you're Arkansas State, obviously the big question mark at the head coach position, will Butch Jones remain? Uh, in Jonesboro, the quarterback position will also be a question mark, but if you're Arkansas state, they need to find a consistent running game. If they want to challenge in this new look Sunbelt West division.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to find a lot of things. And I think when you look at teams like Arkansas state and you can compare them to teams like Texas state, where we talk about more about their coaching decisions they've made already in the ULMs in this conference in the South Alabama's of this conference who a year or two ago, weren't as impressive, had similar seasons to Arkansas state. If you look at them now, they're playing at a higher clip. You can tell despite the records of those teams, they're playing with more intensity. And I think that when you look at Arkansas State, they just don't bring that same intensity that we've seen across the Sun Belt this season. And I think that's why some of the newer teams that entered this conference this year were able to be so successful. So it might be time to find a new coach and a leader who can get this team to play higher to their potential because it's no secret this year that they just did not play to their highest potential and their highest ability, and you see that in games like UMass, and you obviously see it in games like this against Troy when you have one quarter where you just completely fall apart as a team. So they definitely have some decisions to make, and they definitely have some soul-searching to do this offseason, and it will be very interesting to see how they go about that moving forward.
0: I wouldn't look much farther than Troy, Alabama, and Mobile, Alabama for the perfect game plan of a head coach that you want in this league, Kane Womack, John Summerall. A couple of really well-respected defensive guys who's come in and had a lot of success. Keep an eye on that as we head into the offseason. Caden, ULM Southern Miss. This game 20-10 to Southern Miss wins to become bowl eligible for the first time since 2020, just the second time since 2017. This one truly was a battle of the kickers. Calum Sutherland had a field goal to tie with 524 left in the third quarter for ULM. Briggs-Bousois had the go-ahead field goal with 12.30 left in the fourth quarter, his second of the day. The kickers made a big difference, but if there was one guy, and I love to see this, I made a projection, if you remember back on Friday's episode, and I'm going to harp on this. I said that there was one guy that was going to have a huge performance, and he did. Frank Gore, who ran for a career-high 199 yards, including that game-sealing touchdown late in the fourth quarter. His first career 1,000-yard rushing season, and he finishes... Towards the end of the season, strong yet again. He's been probably the best running back down the stretch in the Sun Belt. Maybe Sans LaDamian Webb.
1: Yeah, first of all, Briggs booze Wall. Shout out to him for having one of the better names in the Sun Belt Conference. And he had eight points in this one and really produced for that Southern Miss team. But you talked about it heading into the, the preview episode. Can Frank Jor- Gore Jr. show up for this team when it matters most? And I think the combination of him showing up when it mattered most and the nasty bunch showing up, when it mattered most was really the reason why they won this game, why they granted bowl eligibility in this one, and why after three straight losses, they get that win when it mattered and they get into bowl contention. So you have to give credit to those two guys, units, however you want to call it, the offensive line, creating those holes for Frank Gore Jr., being able to cook and have another fantastic game that we're accustomed to seeing and having that nasty bunch show up when it mattered most, holding this team to just 10 points. If you're holding a team to 10 points, That's on your offense at that point to produce and win the game for you. And I think we saw that in this one with the complimentary play of their defense and Frank Gore Jr. being able to step up to the occasion and play a great game in this one and make it to a bowl game for the first time in the Sunbelt Conference.
0: I think it might be safe to say at this point that Southern Miss was a quarterback away from being up in the conversation with teams like Troy and South Alabama in the West this year. Their defense was that good. Their running game was good, but their quarterback play definitely let them down. Caden, it feels like the Nasty Bunch saved their best game of the year for last. They finished with a season-high 13 TFLs, four sacks. Their seventh game this year with four sacks. They finished leading the Sunbelt Conference in that category. They have been the difference so many times this year uh, between a Southern Miss win and a loss this year. This time, they were on the winner's end.
1: Yeah. And I think you saw in the last three weeks, there was no secret that they were the unit of this team that was keeping them going and keeping them in games and was the biggest unit as far as attributing to their wins and losses. But they just ran out of gas on those last three games. I think they were a little bit beat up up front on the back end. They were a little fatigued and that's why they lost those games. But like we said before, when it mattered most, they saved their best for last showed up big in this game. I mean, they lived in the backfield. You talked about those three, 13 tackles for loss and those four sacks. The defense made it very hard for Chandler Rogers. The run game didn't get going, so he had to take matters into his own hands and ended up being the leading rusher in this game. And once you have a quarterback having to do that and really put a Superman cape on, like I talked about in the preview, I thought he was going to be able to do it and pull off the win in this one, but the nasty bunch said no to that, and so did Frank Gore Jr. And I think a big part of them playing so well in this game is because they were playing so well and because Frank Jr., Gore Jr. was playing so well in this game. You see Trey Lowe not have to really do much to win this game. He goes 10 for 16 passing this game. Not asked, for too, not asked to do too much, but played very efficient, did not turn the ball over. Lulled them to sleep kind of with that run game with Frank Gore Jr. and was able to hit some very big explosive plays to a couple of his targets. So you have to give credit really, to the defense for setting up the offense and Trey Lowe being able to play well in this game, but really Will Hall for just having a great feel in this game and leaning on his units and the strengths of his team in this one when it mattered most.
0: Hey, give some credit to ULM, and we won't uh, belabor this point too much, but uh, they get to four wins this year. I think they need to keep building as we head into the offseason. I thought this quote by their head coach, Terry Bowden, in the post game press conference was particularly revealing. He says that we can play with every team in the Sun Belt. Now it comes down to beating those teams. They were 3-3 and in games decided by less than 10 points this season. They've got an entrenched quarterback uh, in Chandler Rogers, Uh, so definitely a lot of good things, I think, happening in ULM. They're a team that maybe could take a leap into bowl eligibility next year. Southern Miss, as we mentioned, they'll play in a bowl game. Caden, we'll move on. We'll get through these last couple of games pretty quickly. Uh, Marshall versus Georgia State. It was 28-23, the final score. Marshall, again, gets a big rushing attack from Rasheen Ali, Caleb Labor. that pair combined. Uh, For 278 yards, really the turning point of this game was an 83-yard touchdown run by Kalen Laybourne. You look at that pairing of running backs, this is what Marshall fans had dreamed about early on in the year, and if they had had those two guys all year long, Marshall might be playing in the conference championship game.
1: A hundred percent. And I would even call it a three headed monster. When you look at a guy like Cam Fancher who also rushed well in this game and contributed to the offense with his arm and his leg, he had 10 rushes for 69 yards behind Ali and Laybourne who both reached the hundred yard mark. And I think you're right. If we had Ali all season, if you had Cam Fancher at the helm all season, it'd be very interesting to see what this Marshall team does going forward throughout the entirety of the season, but I have to give credit to Cam Fancher like we have all year. I mean, this was an upfront physical gritty battle. It was very even as far as what they did up front, Both teams trying to run the ball and establish that, but he has simply been able to elevate this team the last couple weeks and has probably been the biggest catalyst as far as them winning. He's accounted for two or more touchdowns in the past three weeks, two straight weeks without turnovers. He's really evolved as a passer and a player in this team, and with him just being a freshman, I think it's very hopeful and promising moving forward if he's leading this offense and they can continue to run the ball at a high clip.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting for Marshall heading into the offseason. I think the pieces are there for a very successful second year in the Sun Belt. We'll get into that more uh, as we talk about them in the bowl and then in the offseason. Kane wanted to give some flowers to Jamari Thrash. Third 1,000-yard season in GSU history. Caught nine passes for 155 yards and a touchdown. He ended up leading the Sun Belt in receiving yards this season. His 1,110 yards were the 10th most in Division One this year. Jamari Thrash had a huge season, and you might be able to call him wide receiver one in the conference this year.
1: And we came into the season wondering who would be that wide receiver one for the conference, and we were talking about guys like the multiple options you have at South Alabama. You talk about guys across the conference, and he kind of really came out of nowhere, and I think it was great to see him grow as a player along with his quarterback, Darren Granger, and I know that, that guy has a decision on whether to come back next year or not, and I think the connection he's built with Thrash moving forward along with this run game that's been dominant throughout will make it very interesting to see What does Georgia State offense looks like next year, especially if they have a big piece like Thrash coming back, who has, I think, established himself as far as importance to a team and now the stats, that wide receiver one, that Sunbelt guy, as far as who do you need a game plan against more and who do you need to stop the most? Because another great game for him and really a great season with him. When you look at an offense that runs the ball as much, just makes it even better for a guy like that.
0: Well, as I mentioned, Marshall's going to play for a bowl game. Georgia State heads into the offseason. They should be pretty good at running back next year. Again, Darren Granger does have one final year of eligibility. I confirmed that earlier in the day, so he could be back. I think the secondary with guys like Lane and White being gone is definitely going to have to regroup, so keep an eye on that. We'll talk more about Georgia State in the offseason. Texas State versus Louisiana, final game of the day, a 41-13 to victory for the Raging Cajuns to become bowl eligible. It's crazy to think if we look back probably six, seven, eight weeks ago that Louisiana's heading to a bowl game and App State isn't. I don't think any of us expected that. Uh, they've not missed a bowl game since 2017. Louisiana now a perfect 10-0 and in games played in San Marcos. Caden, uh, Louisiana did it behind a balanced attack. Chandler Fields 187 yards and two touchdowns through the year. Their running game picked up another 165 yards and two touchdowns and As we've talked a lot about this Louisiana team this year, Caden, they've been really good at getting big plays. They got 13 more of those in this game, six rushing, seven passing. Uh, But I really liked what I saw out of Louisiana's offense. And finally, it feels like they might have some semblance of an identity.
1: Yeah, and we talk about a Texas State team coming into this one that's a scrappy bunch that plays well at home. And they really combated that in Louisiana in this game. And I think the balanced attack was something that would be huge for them because throughout the season, it was really up and down in the passing game and the running game. And I think... Across the board, this is their, one of their more consistent performances. You look at Chandler Fields distributing the wealth, hitting a ton of different receivers and weapons for explosive plays. And this one got Jefferson going, got Fleming going, Paul LeBlanc for a touchdown pass as well. And then the run game getting going as well. You talk about Chris Smith all you want, but then you have a freshman running back in this game, and Draylon Washington who's had an amazing season who ends it as the leading rusher in this game really just a balanced attack across the board this is the louisiana team that you were accustomed to seeing last year and really looked like things were coming together for them in this game with some great momentum heading into their bowl and then not to look too far ahead but Woodridge playing well in the beginning of the season in the middle of the season fields playing well at the end do we have another quarterback competition Please, yet no. again in the offseason i think i think it's definitely something we got tired of talking about but when you have guys playing good and playing not good at different times in the same times all about the momentum, I feel like, for this team. So that's something we'll talk about another time. But I think it will be something to look at as far as Chandler Fields, who I thought in this game would play inspired trying to get that spot back. And now he has the opportunity getting his game into a bowl game to do it one more time for them.
0: Hey, on the bright spot, it would give us seven additional weeks of content to begin next season if there was a quarterback competition <laughs> in Lafayette again. But, Kane, last thing here, and we always love to shout out good secondary performances when they happen. Eric Garer had his second interception of the season, his first since the opener against Southeastern Louisiana. This defense, though, eight pass breakups in this game, four TFLs, two sacks. They had a really big performance, and that was a big reason why they were able to keep Texas State to just 13 points.
1: Yeah, those eight pass breakups were the most by a team in the conference this weekend, and I think – it's hard to argue. We have obviously a ton of great defensive units as a whole in this conference, but if you look at that secondary unit for Louisiana, it may be the best back end that we've seen. You have guys like Braylon Treyan and Eric Garo Gar who got his hands on an interception in this one and who, who's also been very explosive in the return game for this team, but they do lose both of these guys. So not to look too far ahead again, but the secondary unit, has a lot of strength in their experience and is going to be very curious as an entire defense really to see how Louisiana bounces back after this bowl game and has to re-up and replace a lot of those spots next year.
0: Okay, and we're only going to talk about them one more time this year, but I do want to also give you some credit for your midseason adjustment from ULL to Louisiana. You've done such a nice job. We finally broke the athlete, so congratulations on that big step. But Louisiana, they're going to play in a bowl game, Texas State. They fought pretty hard at times this year, but it's going to be an off season of change. As we're recording this episode, we found out that Jake Spavadol was just fired as head coach in San Marcus. So the first coaching uh, carousel move in the Sun Belt, we'll definitely break that more down as we head into the offseason, but it will be an offseason of change in San Marcus. Caden, before we wrap up this episode, we've got two quick things to do, and I wanted to take a moment to just do a very early championship preview. Troy versus Coastal Carolina. This is going to be the first time that Troy will host the Sunbelt Conference championship game. First time that Coastal Carolina and Troy will meet in a title game. Troy enters 10-2, Coastal at 9-2. Troy will play for their league-leading seventh Sunbelt title. You might say, well, you're saying this is the first time in a championship game that title game only started five years ago, and this will be the first time Troy will play. Caden, I wanted to just get a key from you in this game uh, about you know what you felt like would be important in this game between these two teams.
1: It's tough to say, but I think the biggest and most glaringly noticeable thing is truly the momentum of both of these teams. You talk about a Coastal Carolina team who loses their mo- best and most important player in Grayson McCall, and we see some of the effects of that in this game when you have Jerry Guest not playing his best, only completing 10 balls, 43% completion percentage, and his one touchdown pass was really more of a product of the scheme. To me, it was a fourth and one play. It was a tricky play. And Tyson Mobley got open and loose for a touchdown. And then on the opposite side, you look at Troy. We've talked about at length this year, can they get some things going on the offensive side of the ball? And they have their best offensive performance of the entire season heading into this championship game. But I think despite both of these teams having opposite momentum, it's going to be about which one this week can grab the momentum themselves. It's a championship game. The season's now pushed aside. Both of these teams have proven they can win close games, tight games in a lot of different ways, which team's going to be able to create their own momentum, have their best game plan heading into this one and really take matters into their own hands when it matters most on the biggest stage. I think it's going to be a big game of putting the past behind you and kind of looking at this as a season of its own, a life of its own, a week of its own, and who's going to be able to secure that win coming up this next weekend.
0: Kane, I think it's much simpler than what you just described. It's two words, Grayson McCall, and that is (laughs) what could decide this game. I think Coastal Carolina needs Grayson McCall in this game, and if he doesn't play, I don't see Troy losing this football game. So his health is going to be a big question, I can guarantee you. It's going to be asked tomorrow uh, in that press conference for the Sunbelt, or rather uh, on Monday. Uh, That's a big thing. I think Troy's defense is the X factor in this one. They have been the best defense in the league all season long. I think if Grayson doesn't play, or even if he does, it's going to be really tough for him. I think Troy's or Coastal Carolina's defense could really step up big in a big way. I think it also comes down to the running games of both sides. Coastal Carolina... Had kind of a subpar week running the game in week 13. Can they respond in a big way? They've got Brayden Bennett back. He just doesn't look up to full strength right now. But guys like C.J. Beasley, Reese White, it's deep. If Grayson doesn't play, they need to do a better job at leaning on the running game. And we, we've we talked at length about Troy's rushing attack has been as good as it gets. So those are some early things. We'll tell you a little bit later on in this episode about some of the episodes that we've got coming up this week. A lot of excitement. But Cain, we're to the final Smith Picks of the Week segment during the regular season. A lot of excitement in the league this week. Give us your final picks of the year.
1: One of my favorite parts of this podcast, and it's great being able to do that throughout the year. So credit you, Noah, for being kind of the brains behind this operation and getting to lead to me doing the picks of the week, week in and week out. But per usual, the Sunbelt Conference did not make it easy for me. A lot of great performances in this finale, and I I couldn't pick one guy on the offensive side, so I, I split it up in two. For offense, no surprises here. I had to give half of it 1A, you could say, to JMU quarterback Todd Senteo. Sorry if you're tired of hearing that name at the end of every episode. I'm but not. the guy did it again. He had 17, 17 for 31 passing, 287 yards, four touchdowns in the air, 25 rushing yards on the ground, and one touchdown there. Just topping off an amazing career against a conference team that's going to be playing in this championship game coming forward on a senior night, really spreading the wealth and just. This one of the stronger performances we've seen week in and week out really in the conference on the offensive side of the ball. have to give credit to Todd for just capping off his career and a lot of his weapons as well at JMU in this game. But another guy who I didn't give this award to last week, and I probably could have split it with him last week, but I just can't do it back-to-back weeks, especially with how big he came up for this team in this one and how much we've been talking about how important this is to this team. And it's Troy running back Kamani Vidal. I mean, 33 carries. He's an absolute workhorse in this game, 208 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he was a catalyst and a big part of this impressive fourth quarter. That's probably the best fourth quarter we've seen from an entire Sunbelt team this entire season. And a perfect transition into that is my defensive player of the week, who's Troy cornerback, Reddy Stewart. Two tackles, one pass breakup, two interceptions in this game, one of them for a sixty 67-yard yard touchdown. And the other one did lead to a touchdown eventually in that quarter that we're talking about. That was just a huge momentum turn and some great momentum for this Troy team headed into their championship game. He had two different quarterbacks on these interceptions as well, which I thought was fun. They were both in the fourth quarter. You can't really argue about how dominant this defense has been. And I think it just feels right to give it to a Troy player as the last week because that defensive unit as a whole has been great. So those are my picks for the weekend. We'll see if maybe we can get a picks of the week, picks of the championship segment next week. we gonna have to argue a little bit about that off of camera. But a great year and a great segment that i have loved to be a part of and just really – awesome to highlight some of these great players and talent that we have in the Sunbelt conference this year. Yeah.
0: I got to admit, we'll have to bring that back because you've done such a nice job. I mean, it's at times this year, it's felt like the Sunbelt is going with your picks uh, because you've been so spot on. Uh, the only one that I would argue, and I can understand why you didn't mention this guy in this segment, Kyle Van Trees. I feel like he deserves a little bit of love, but being an app guy, I kind of expected that he would not be in your <laughs> offensive picks of the week here, but Caden, an excellent job on your Smith's picks of the week this season. Well, that'll do it for our week 13 recap episode. The regular season in the Sunbelt has officially come to a close, but an exciting Sunbelt championship between Troy and Coastal Carolina is on deck. A quick reminder that we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday for the first of our two championship preview episodes highlighting Coastal Carolina. Caden, this is really exciting. We're actually going to have our first head coach on the podcast, the Shauna Clear's head coach, Jamie Chadwell will be joining us alongside star running back C.J. Beasley as we get you set for next Saturday's action. Thanks so much for listening during the regular season. We both really enjoyed this episode of the Frary & Smith podcast, and we certainly hope you did too. If you did, take a moment and subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you'll never miss an episode. Also, drop us a five-star rating or leave us a review. It really helps us out. Lastly, if you haven't already, and I can't believe you haven't, at this point of the season, but follow us on Twitter at, at Prairie and Smith. We consistently post Caden what I think is some of the best content each week about the Sun Belt and its athletes. Well, for the final time in the regular season, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.